life on the road can get tough, even after like seven days. We had a bit of an argument, is we what he's trying to say. Okay. <laughs> Not all sunshine and roses. But we were in Yellowstone, and there's a place called Artist Point, and I wanted to propose to Marissa the very next day. And we're having a fight, and then we're talking about if we'd ever marry each other. And she says, I don't know. And I'm just like, <laughs> I've been sitting, I've been hiding a ring underneath her butt for, for <laughs> nine days. You know? That was Tim and Marissa, no tears. I'm Wade, your host. And this is a special Valentine's Day episode of the Guide GPS Off-Road Podcast. Tim and Marissa are a truly inspiring couple. Their adventure story is really the story of them, of their relationship. You see, they've ridden three different continents on a KTM bike. Now, that's not two bikes. It's one bike with both of them and their gear. As Tim says, they go two up and overloaded. Any adventure can be stressful at times. And when stressed, we might not be our best selves. Add to that being in such close proximity all the time on a bike. You can see where that could get difficult. Tim and Marissa are here to share not only their amazing adventure story, but their love story as well. They're going to give us some great tips on how to handle the stresses of traveling as a couple and still be nice to each other. And trust me, they've had plenty of those stresses along the way. If you are headed out on an adventure of your own, Guide GPS can help with one of those stresses. You already know that Gaia GPS has great maps for North America, but you might not know that Gaia GPS covers the planet. That's right, our favorite map layer, Gaia Topo, is worldwide. And there are often additional local map layers available as well. So whether you're headed to Tasmania or Tanzania, Mexico or Madagascar, stress no more. And podcast listeners can get 40% off a premium subscription by going to www guidegps.com slash offroad podcast. That's G-A-I-A G-P-S dot com slash offroad podcast. Now, on to Tim and Marissa. Two up and overloaded. Hey, Tim, Marissa, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the uh, podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. We're Thanks great. for having us. Thank you. Well, it's really great to see you again. You guys are primarily known for international travel on your adventure motorcycle. Recently, you completed a trip that was about four years of continuous travel, like roughly 87,000 miles in 25 countries and three continents. Uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> but I think your story of that journey actually is a story of you two as a couple. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and how you met. Well, I was born in LaGrange, uh, Illinois, and I didn't really travel too much far outside of the area I was born in, I should say. And this is just outside of Chicago, and I was born in that town, and so we went to high school together, and yeah. that is how we met. And we even went to prom together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't uh, stay together after that, though, unfortunately. I went off to college. I went all the way to a faraway state, to Maine, and so we broke up after high school, this but 
but I, I never waited, forgot him. I waited patiently for her to return back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no. So in that time afterwards, um, you, your lives basically took different paths for a while. So, Tim, what did you do after high school? I got a job, stuck with it for a long time, and I bought a house, and I was doing all of the things that, you know, a responsible adult, quote-unquote, should uh, should be doing. And then I, when I bought my first house, what was that? That Home Buyers Act where they gave me $8,000 for buying my first house. So I did the responsible American thing yet again, and I bought a motorcycle and put it right back in the economy. <laughs> Yamaha Raider, 1900. Mm-hmm. I went, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, Marissa would come back every what, like six months to a year. Yeah, I would see her and just to visit my family. I did a lot of traveling in college and after college. Um, so for about ten years, we remained in touch more or less, but just kind of friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing a lot of traveling, and Tim was doing a bit of riding around on his motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> and then one year I came back and I saw Tim again. And she was married. <laughs> I was married. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got divorced and we rekindled things and yeah. the rest is history. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to cover that history. <laughs> so I had heard, Marissa, that as a young girl, you never learned how to ride a bicycle. Ooh, that is true. I didn't. I mean, I tried. I didn't have any brothers and sisters. And I also didn't have any close neighbors that were children. So it was just me. And I did have a bicycle. And I did learn how to go straight. She can go straight like a pro. I bought her a bike. <laughs> as an adult when we live down in where my house is and there's some bike trails and she can she can go straight like the best of us but it's the but stopping it's the and the going and uh the... i remember as a kid falling scraping my knee a bunch of times and mm-hmm. then i was like all right that's it and i didn't really have an incentive it was always just me by myself so i never really learned after that and the couple of times that i have ridden a bicycle since then um I have fallen or have been very scared. (laughs) So it is true that I don't know how to ride a bicycle. I also don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Yes. So, Tim, how did you get her on your bike? So it was that 1190 that I had bought years ago, the Raider. It's more of a cruiser, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was 21 or something. I don't remember how old it was, you know, but I was pretending to be James Dean modern day, you know, and thought I was cool, which, you know, it was an awesome bike, but like, you know, she would, she'd get on the back of it and she didn't like motorcycles at first. No, at first I was like, no, I'm not getting on the back of it, but But, I decided eventually, all right, I'll give it a try. Yeah. And we'd ride down to like Starve Rock, which is, you know, just a a little pretty section of Northern Illinois. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then our rides would continuously get a little bit longer and a little bit longer. We were both, you know, in the workforce. And so there was no like, yeah, the crazy dream that had even a flicker of thought at that point. But, uh, we both liked camping and we both liked nature. mm -hmm. And when you live in Chicago, um, if you want to get to nature, you usually have to go pretty far, Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty much just corn and soy fields outside of the city. Uh, but to get to something beautiful like Starved Rock, 
you have to go, you know, at least an hour. And then after that, we were like, all right, what else can we see? And we realized we were going farther and farther and we'd need more and more time. We'd take our summer weekends and go on these camping motorcycle trips on the Raider. And, uh, and I loved it, it was super fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't even have like a sissy bar. She was my <laughs> bar, and she had one of those like old school uh, Swiss Army, Swiss Army canvas green backpacks with like leather straps <laughs> and, and like a metal frame yeah. on the inside, awesome. super heavy and not comfortable. And I would she wear that it. for hours and hours on the motorcycle. And it hurt, you know, we'd get to our destination and I just thought, well, that must be what it's like to ride a motorcycle. You're probably going to be in pain by the time you arrive wherever you're going to. (laughs) Um, And then I started talking to people and they're like, no, get a comfier seat and a better backpack and a sissy bar and maybe some panniers. And and I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe I should. We had saddlebags. Yeah, we did kind of change our setup um, quite a few times to make it better. But we also discovered that we wanted to take some gravel roads every once in a while. Yeah. And I think the Raider wasn't best suited for those gravel roads. Well, and I, I do think there's a lot of people who are riding it on like, I mean, there's people riding around the world on a, like Harley Chopper, you know, with mm. like whatever you have, you can do it. So we're not here to say what you can or can't do on anything in particular, but our for That's our right. preference, you know, we started to daydream of doing mountain passes and just the, mm-hmm. the photos of Yamaha Raiders going over Peruvian passes were not as frequent. <laughs> <laughs> So you uh, decide on a different bike, right? Yeah. And it was all kind of came down to cost because we were, you know, we were broke and this was just a hobby. And, I, you know, like I like motorcycles, but the KTM 1190 kind of fit a lot of it. it ticked a lot of the, the boxes of my checklist. Um, it was like 15 grand at the time, way back in 2013. And I bought a 2000, mm-hmm. it was a 2014 KTM. But it had that gnarly adventure look to it and, and all that goodness. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that I, I committed on uh, after doing hours and hours and days and days of, of research and all that. And every time I'd open the garage door, you know, I'd jump on the, the 1190 because it's, it's like a, a, a sports bike when you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cruiser when you want it to be. And so I actually eventually sold my my raider even though i had it tattooed onto my body now it's (laughs) now it's always on me even though i'm not always on it but so you guys uh, eventually get some vacation time and you decide on a big trip into the western u.s uh where'd you go and kind of what was the original idea of that trip well the original idea was to get to mountains you know the midwest can Mm -hmm. be quite flat and um, that's beautiful in its own way, and we definitely appreciate it. But we wanted to go see some mountains. I'd never really been to the United States West. I'd never seen any of the national parks. And Tim had, as a child, seen yeah. a few. And so um, he thought, oh, this is great. I'd love to go back there. And uh, we decided we had a couple weeks off from work. I quit one job and was transitioning into another. Yeah, and so we took the motorcycle out and kind of did 
a loop around the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. So we went to Yellowstone well, and Badlands. We've Badlands. started. Badlands. Uh huh. And, it's hard to believe that this was only two weeks because um, a lot changed for us during this time. We call it our maiden voyage, and we had a lot of adventures. We very quickly realized that our gear was not sufficient for the cold and rain that we came across. Yeah. But we also, and most importantly, realized that we loved it. We loved traveling on the motorcycle. We loved seeing these beautiful places. We were able to travel together. This was kind of a test for both ourselves and the motorcycle to see, okay, is this bike going to be able to take us to other places as well? And we realized we love that. Yeah. But also, do we like traveling together? When we're on the motorcycle, we are literally touching like all day long, <laughs> mm -hmm. right next to each other. And then we're camping and sleeping, you know, right next to each other. We're just constantly around each other. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who had the the opportunity to go on vacations with their loved ones, with their spouse, with their friends, you know, but it's just, it's just two different actualities in the world of, you know, nine to five and hanging out and watching some TV before you go to sleep, watching an episode of Wheel of Fortune and then going to sleep and then waking up and having coffee together and then splitting for the day versus, you know, just like everything that happens to you in that day your your you know marissa was there and this was right good yeah. the bad the smelly the you know yeah and, and the weather was not in our favor for the first part of that and i do not like being cold and wet she's like a gremlin <laughs> yes i turn into a monster when i get cold and wet that is true the trip can't have been that bad because there was something that happened in yellowstone that was sort of integral to this story the day before, before I get into it, the night before we were sitting there and we were kind of grumpy. Uh, just, we're in the tent. We're cold. in the tent. It's cold, <laughs> it's wet. And we're just having a conversation back and forth with each other. And it didn't necessarily go as awesome as <laughs> either of us would have wanted. Because, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it, uh, everything I alluded to before was, you know, life on the road can get tough, even after like seven days. We had a bit of an argument, is we what he's trying to say. Okay. Not all sunshine and roses. But we were in Yellowstone, and there's a place called Artist Point, and I wanted to propose to Marissa the very next day. And here we are, and I know this in my head. She doesn't know this in, you know, in reality. And we're having a fight, and then we're talking about if we'd ever marry each other. And she says, I don't know. And I'm just like, I've been sitting, I've been hiding a ring underneath her butt for, for nine days. You know? But I still, you wake up the next morning, you, you get a new perspective as, you know, the, the bird mm -hmm. or chirping. And, well, I'm glad you stuck with your plan. Yeah, and we went <laughs> we went down by Yellowstone Canyon, and I got, we were in our rain gear, because again, it was a cold, misty, rainy day, and I, I kneeled down and asked her to marry me, and she said no, like 14 times. Okay, no, I, and that was... <laughs> No, like, like no, no way. way. Right? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> she didn't just save herself. No, no, it sounds good. <laughs> did, did you ever say yes? Afterwards, to mention <laughs> okay. to me that I had not said yes. And she and said she still gets the ring. And I then said, no, she said, no, that's not true. I did say yes. <laughs> yes. Well, 
that trip obviously was successful for a couple of reasons. One, that, you know, yeah. the proposal. Secondly, I think that may have been the start of, hey, we could really do this. Let's do something big. We, we realized that we did enjoy each other's companies throughout the day. We did enjoy some of the same experiences. And then there was a lot of other outwardly inspiration as well that came from like others that we would meet that were traveling that had traveled long term and you know it was just this emotional cocktail stew of, of inspiration and, and wonder and excitement I mean when you're on vacation the thing that that you dread is going back to reality and so that was kind of a part of our plan was how do we not how do we make the reality the something that we're not going back to but maintain. And we started thinking, okay, we got to the Rocky Mountains, but it took a lot of time from work. If we wanted to get to, say, another country or even just California on the motorcycle, we would need so much time from work, it would be pretty much impossible. And we realized that we would, at some point in time, probably have to quit our jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started dreaming of this longer world trip. If we're going to quit our jobs, we could travel the whole world, but we'd need to have enough money in order to do that. So we started yeah. working really hard, saving money. And we did that for like five years. Yeah. Quite a few years, just mm -hmm. with this dream in the back of our yeah. minds. And so we had the bike, we had a dream. Uh, how old was I? Like 32 or something? Uh, I'm 39 now. I'm, I, think yeah that was Somewhere seven years ago yeah yeah you know but we just figured if we just saved 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 and lived like you know hobbits but only to know that we were going to get to the emerald city i'm <laughs> mixing movies but it's okay but uh <laughs> you know, but like uh you know we just we had we had a vision when we had a, a goal there was no retirement plan in our little quest but you know yeah. we we just really hoped that we'd always hopefully be able to climb back into middle class if we ever wanted to re-enter the workforce back in the States. But the game plan was, uh, we, we, and another, we hosted a German world traveler at our house. Yes. Mm. And that was the final little piece of TNT that, you know, blew this whole thing into a reality because mm -hmm. he, he said, you know, it costs about $20,000 a year and you can spend $120,000 and you can probably get away with spending $12,000, depending yeah. on, you know, what you're willing to live like. We wow. were just wide-eyed and completely in awe and inspired. And, you, you know, when you're dreaming of something this huge, and you don't really know what to expect out of it. It mm -hmm. doesn't seem real. But he was real and he was doing it. And uh, that, yeah, that really was kind of the nail in the coffin. Like, okay. That was the last nail out of the coffin. The last nail. Because then we opened the coffin and got out of our nine to five. That's right. I love how he thinks. That's so good. Yeah. So now then you're committed. So you set a departure date of August 21, 2017, which yeah. folks may go, well, yes, okay, so that's a date. What happened on that day? So that was a full eclipse solar eclipse yeah we really like the stars yeah. uh, we like the cosmos and uh some of you may remember this day as uh there was a, a solar eclipse that happened across many of the states of the united states mm -hmm. 
And the longest totality, totality. was uh, going to be in Southern Illinois, very close to yeah. where uh, your brother My lives. Sibling lives. Yeah. And, and Christian Vogel, he what the the German world traveler said to us. He said, "Don't set a financial uh, requirement. Set a date because mm-hmm. you will always, if you set a date, work towards that date, and then mm-hmm. go." Because there's always going to be opportunity to make more money. There's always, you know, there's always going to be a reason not to go. But set a date and get the heck out of town. And so we said, you know, yeah. well, we need something. We need something epic, right? You know. <laughs> and so. We yeah, picked. we chose that date simply because of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, was cool. actually hard to stick to, but we did stick to it at the very end. Um, not just emotionally, I kept feeling like I'm not prepared enough for mm-hmm. this journey, this giant world trip that we'd been planning. But of course I was. I was just feeling that way. Um, I think almost anyone, if they feel like they want to go and do this, they're almost there. You don't need that much preparation. Yeah. And also, it was hard to get all the paperwork and all the gear. And, we you know, left everything. When we went to Southern Illinois, I didn't even have my driver's license. So I was changing all of my, my license over, my title back over and all this. Mm-hmm. And none of that lined up correctly, but that's fine. Marissa was a male on her driver's license. so I still am. <laughs> She's still I, a male in the, in they the messed state of up Illinois. And I can't fix it, yes. but uh, maybe next time I'll be able to fix it. But at the time I couldn't. So yeah, we had some bureaucratic technical difficulties, but it didn't matter. We still set yeah. off on that date without, without a license. license. <laughs> that's two males. <laughs> we, we began our journey. You know, and to me, it was, I was not in like vacation mode. We mm. were just messing around the States for a while. And so I well, was our plan was to go, we had a three-year plan, yes. more or less, um, to go through the Americas in one year mm-hmm. and then kind of Africa and Europe the next year. And, and then, then the third year in Asia. Now yeah. we did not stick to this plan time-wise because we ended up going twice as slow as we thought we yeah. would but enjoying mm-hmm. every moment of it i wouldn't trade a would day never, yeah yeah a day out of south america for a bonus day in europe i'd rather just do europe in the time it takes for me to enjoy that to the fullest because mm-hmm. south america mexico united states africa all of that was just fantastic Incredible. and i highly suggest for I mean, we, we are lucky because we got to quit our jobs. Now, we saved and saved and saved. And so it's, it's an achievement that I'm proud of us financially to have been able to do. And I understand that a lot of people, they only have maybe six weeks at the most or, you know, for some reason they have three months off or whatever. But for all of the people who truly have unlimited time, or as I always say, I have more time than money. Um, mm-hmm. But like being flexible is key. And when you go into a place and you absolutely love it, it's like pulling teeth trying to get me out of there. And I'm so thankful that when we found little slices of heaven that are scattered all throughout this planet, when we love somewhere, we stay and we absorb and, you know, it's we get to know the people we get to. Now, we didn't know that it was going to be so awesome. Yes, we'd had a great time on our maiden voyage. But when we left on this epic trip that we had planned and dreamed of, 
Tim had still never had a passport stamp. <laughs> he had quit yeah. his job. I mean, okay, I always say he'd never left the country. Technically, yeah, technically he went to Canada when he was in high school. But he didn't even need a passport then. So right. his, doesn't, his doesn't international Canada travel was still a different country. Midland, Ontario, you know, it's not that far from Chicago. But um, his international travel experience was not very extensive at the time. Mm. And so here he is having quit his job, packed everything or sold everything. We sold all of our belongings, mm -hmm. um, packed everything up onto the motorcycle and headed off to travel the world on a motorcycle. And we weren't even really sure he was going to enjoy it. I, now, I think my motorcycle could have ran off of happiness and and bliss <laughs> for the first couple hundred thousand miles because, you know. You but know. when we got to Mexico, when we first entered Mexico, yeah. I was concerned that we were going to turn back. I because, was concerned too. <laughs> because we entered at a tricky point. It was at Tijuana and it was a lot of traffic. The GPS like immediately stopped working for some reason. Because I didn't have any other states. I had a Garmin at that point in time. Um, and I only had the states maps and I figured whatever, we're going to Baja, you go south, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I, but Tijuana oh, is just this, you know, just these loop clover leaves that lead back into each other, always kind of stuck behind a smog polluting truck with, you know, people that are like laws, traffic laws just disappear at the border. And then it turns into Mad Max Fury Road. And just, <laughs> you know, just, you know, it was it was very stressful. And all I kept screaming it was just get me on, you know, E1 South or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and can I just say something about being a passenger and being asked to navigate? Now, oh, as a oh passenger no. <laughs> on a motorcycle, I can actually go on my phone and see where the nearest gas station mm -hmm. is and things like that. But we have tried in the past to have me navigate. When he's no. having a problem with his phone or whatnot up in front, I've tried to be like, okay, turn right here. No, exit there. And this does not work no. at all. I need no. to like up to the second directions, not like... <laughs> I'm like, left. I mean, I mean right. Three quarters no. <laughs> of a mile, turn left. I'm, like, I'm not looking at my little... I'm not counting to how many three quarters of a mile. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so we that doesn't it. work. We we did get through it. I was concerned that you'd turn around, no, but no, you no. didn't. We kind of had to pull over, take a breather, um, regain mm. our senses. Well, once we got to en en Ensalada, I'd say en that like en no, salad. It's That's not, salad. No, it's not salad. It's Ensenada. Ensenada. <laughs> My Spanish is just awesome. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> But you know, we um, did that, which, mm -hmm. and we were able to, you know, kind of breathe. That. We once we were out of Tijuana, that was nice. Once we were out of the madness. Yeah, we're talking mm -hmm. about traffic. So, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's difficult, and it's not our favorite thing. Some people really enjoy very tricky they traffic. Don't, they like don't make sense. To what them. we've discovered in Africa or Peru, for example. Some people really like that, um, but that's not us. We don't like the traffic. No. 
thankfully I don't have to deal with it, but Tim does. And I know it's really, really stressful. It can stressful. be emotionally and physically draining, just trying to not get hit by large trucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But we survived and we made it into our first country together as a team. We did. So you wound up uh, having some pretty awesome experiences as well. Uh, you lived out a dream of mine because I love uh, pre-European history and you were alone, alone together at a Mayan ruin. That yes. had to have been awesome. Well, we love ruins. And I didn't... We explored so many ruins. Everyone that we could find. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we went, it, I think it first really started um, before Mexico City. This was a ruin that was, it's called La Quemada. And mm. it's not even a Mayan rune. I think this one is another group of Mesoamericans that built it. Oh, okay. But yeah, we were the only people there and it was our first one. And it was perfect except for one thing. We had decided to oh. wear our motorcycle gear as we climbed up these temples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Indiana Jones and Laura Croft, did, they didn't actually do all that stuff in large boots. because No, it, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was way too hot. I was just sweltering. It, that was a bad choice. Yeah, but it was amazing. And I was just really glad just kind of uh, to ping off of like the 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 dislike of big cities and traffic that we both agreed on to the solitude and awesomeness of, of history. And, you know, like those were things that we always, as a team, as a couple had thought we agreed on, but, and, you know, you, you never know once you're out there in the world that she's like, you know what, I've another ruined Tim, really, you know, <laughs> like that would have sucked because I wanted to see each and every yes. one because each one was just, it was its own mini movie that we got to walk through. It was its own. It was just yeah. fantastic. Now, not every uh, traveling couple agrees completely on what to see all the time. And certainly we have our disagreements on other things. But we were very fortunate that we both agreed that we yeah. love seeing difference. <laughs> very true. You made it all the way down to Ushuaia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so... For those that don't know, that is as far as you can drive in uh, the Americas, which is quite an accomplishment. And then you got an opportunity to turn around and come back through Patagonia, which has got to be one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And I'm going to hold the thoughts on that for just a little bit, because that's going to come back into the story here in a little while. What was your favorite countries uh, on the American section of your journey? We it's it's not conflicting, but uh, mine was Peru only because I always say it's just an adventure motorcycle is paradise. It's just a nature lover's haven. Mm-hmm. It is it's just history as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure, and uh, you know, not even the Sacred Valley, you know, but just mm-hmm. Central Peru and Northern Peru. Of course, Machu Picchu was amazing, but that's not. That's not what my heartstrings are plucked every time I reminisce about of Peru. Um, it's just going back and forth through the Andes, just finding yourself in these lunar scapes that are just out of something that a sci-fi author couldn't, you know, dream up and, and paint in oil. You know, it's just yeah. like, wow, this is real. Like I rode here 
myself and I know each road I took to get here. And I'm still walking around like, how the heck did we get here? So my favorite place in the Americas was Colombia. And that was because the people were so overwhelmingly friendly and vibrant. And it is a stunningly beautiful country. And very unexpectedly so. Not I knew it was going to be beautiful, but we had just watched Narcos. Yeah. To kind of like <laughs> learn about. Colombia, and I don't think that was the right thing to do because I had it in my head that oh, we're never going to take any roads off the main road because it could be dangerous, and I was concerned. But it turned out that we just went down every little random road that we could find. Uh, we, I really wish we'd spend even more time there. We just loved every second of it. And every village was so beautiful and welcoming that it was the complete opposite of what I expected. And I felt very, very safe and wonderful there. I I would love to go there again in a heartbeat. For sure. And I I think that it's human nature to have expectations of what you might be going into, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not prejudging, you know, but like, again, we watched Narcos and I was groovy, but like, uh, you know, like Colombia, it always kind of had there's the drug cartels and is semi sort of kind of recent history that I was aware of. But like yeah. going into a place and not giving it itself or it's a chance to prove itself to you for what it is, um, you know, it's it can work against you in either way. Like going into Colombia, we thought we the, we set the bar low and we, we said, well, let's just get through it and then we can start enjoying South America. And our expectations were just blown away by yeah. the hospitality and the people mm-hmm. and the beauty. And then there's other situations where you set the bar really high because you've seen all these Instagram pictures and all these, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, um, Discovery right. Channel documentaries, and you go into a place thinking that's going to be one of the the greatest things you've ever seen. Sometimes the expectations get knocked down a little bit just because you've built it up on this high shelf. So. Yeah, that's something we've learned over the years is to really. I like to experience a new place without too many expectations to begin with, so that I can mm-hmm. give it a clean slate. Because. Um, I think once you go into a country, you will form your own opinion and experience of that place in that moment. So, yeah, we try to be extremely open-minded every place that we go to. After uh, the Americas, you returned to Chicago. Uh, You presented Overland Expo in 2019. You begin to plan Africa. But there's another major event that happens uh, during that hiatus. Yes. We got married. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, we, you know, I, I proposed to her in Yellowstone after we figured that we could we could deal with each other in our adult lives. Mm-hmm. And then I figured, you know, well, let's once we prove that we actually still liked each other after two years of continuous travel with each other, that seemed to be one of the best tests that any marriage could go through or, you know, so mm-hmm. so we, we, we got married. My father married us and it was it was a Very special backyard wedding at our friend's house. And we'd had over a five-year engagement at that point. And uh, that wasn't what we had expected. When that we was fine. I always said, there's no need engaged. to rush any of this. It will happen naturally. <laughs> no, but. we were in no rush. Yeah. But 
we kept saving for traveling and then we kept traveling and traveling. So uh, finally we got a chance when we came back, we did some motorcycle repairs and we had our wedding and it was fantastic. And we felt very prepared to continue on to our next journey in Africa. So you fly down to Cape Town. The bike has to fly down to Cape Town uh, as well. And the plan is to travel up into Africa and Egypt. That's right. Your blog during this time is really a great read. You talk about seeing most places, but the smells of Africa really just made it so different. Tell Mm, me about that. Yes. Um, So... South Africa surprised me in many ways when it came to the food. It's such a multicultural place that you have your meat pies that are very European, but you also have your African influences of squashes and corn. And uh, then you have your Indian spices. There's a very large Indian community there too. Um, But also the climate really surprised me. There were places in South Africa that were frigid cold. We saw penguins there. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have four seasons. There's no malaria in the majority of South Africa. Um, and that's because it is very, very temperate. It's quite cold. But it's incredible how quickly things change once you go into the Kalahari Desert and the Namib Desert in Namibia. You have these huge sand dunes that are unbelievably big with the reddest sand. And there is a group of people there called the Himba, and there's also the Herero people. But we visited a group of Himba people. We even gave a woman a ride. An Uber for a Himba person from <laughs> yes. her little tribe to the gates of Atosha. Now, so, not on the motorcycle. The no. motorcycle. <laughs> I was trying to visualize that. <laughs> that. That is very common in Africa. Though. You can fit a family of six on a small motorcycle. That's right. But we had rented a little RAV4 because uh, motorcycles are not allowed into a lot of the game parks because then you're just a big mm-hmm. cat toy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for lions. Yes. <clears throat> so we had given this woman a ride. And what's really interesting about the Himba people, uh, the women traditionally do not shower. And there are still many women today that do not shower. Instead, they take smoke and incense, incense baths. baths. Hmm. And they showed us how this is done. You know, they burn their incense and kind of waft it over themselves. They also cover their bodies with an ochre, reddish mud clay mixture. Um, and it's, it's really beautiful. And, but they have this gorgeous incense smell. Mm. And so when we were transporting the woman, transporting in, the woman, well, I mean, we were, were <laughs> a ride to this carpooling with the woman. <laughs> yes. Um, and she also had a little infant. Yes, she did. She yeah, just the incredible smells of that yeah. incense and all the wood that they would burn. And we weren't even on a motorcycle at that point, but I just felt like that was something that like most tourists don't get to experience. You know, it was just a really cool experience. And we got to laugh and giggle. She knew a couple words in English and, you know, she would point and say, you know, giraffe and, you know, but uh, yeah. it was a cool experience. And, I, and Marissa kind of glided over 
Lesotho, which is oh. uh, like it, that to me, that's a country within South Africa. It was just yes. its own little bubble. They call it a kingdom in the sky, and it truly is. It's just this. It's very mountainous there. It's mountainous. It's beautiful. It's where a lot, we, we had experienced some good off-road in South Africa on the wild coast, 60, 70%. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be on, on dirt and, and gravel. Uh, it wasn't until we got to Lesotho where we really got to get off of the beaten path. And that was where my excitement really, really, really started to peak. South of Africa was amazing and all of its own yes. rights. But but the people of Lesotho are pastoralists mostly. And so you have the cows grazing everywhere and they're mostly herding cows using horses. And so the horse culture there is very, very rich. Yeah, it was amazing. And then uh, after those countries, we went through Zambia and Malawi into Tanzania, you which skipped over Botswana. Oh, how are you? You're embarrassing me. Oh, I it was uh, Botswana. The most incredible. Oh, oh my God. man, elephants and ele- it was like as many elephants as there are deer in Minnesota. It was just absolutely <laughs> yes. amazing. I wanted to ask, what's it? You know, what's it like? being on a motorcycle going down the road and all of a sudden there are these massive animals around you. I mean, you've got elephants and baboons and giraffes and everything, and they're not behind a fence. They're just there. And you're on a motorcycle. Well, it's a lot of respect, right? We, we would never ride at night. And that's, that's definitely key because, you know, it's just the deer in headlights versus an elephant in headlights. And they blend in like some weird yeah. Klingon stealth. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> but, they're fairly obvious to see during the day um and you know we would ride past them and 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 take pictures at a respectful distance but um yeah they were incredible but yeah you have to be really really careful because they're huge and uh if they get angry if it's a bull elephant on his own um he might give you a bit of a warning by flares. yeah kind of flaring out his ears or he might not he might just <laughs> want to yeah. run you over and on a road I, w- I would think about this while i'm on the motorcycle and passing these huge beasts um i would think all right we have two directions that we can go and we can probably outrun them. There wasn't really anyone else on those roads and they were pretty good in as far as condition goes. Yeah. But we can't just go in any direction. No, so, but there wasn't, I mean, baboons going off-road and baboons going around and sometimes they can be a little, uh, you know, curious, if you will, you know, and but they, they, yes. they all scatter and... Elephants, they're not, in, they're not standing their ground in the middle of the road. So humans and nature were in harmony as they passed each other. Or um, we were just very fortunate. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, we, we never tested the patience of an no. elephant or, or any of that. So as you go further north, unfortunately, the world starts conspiring against your trip. Yes. And the thing that we don't like to talk about happens and borders begin to close. That's right. Where were you whenever that happened? Well, we would had just left through Rwanda when the the C word just started to make its way <laughs> across the news channels. And, mm-hmm. and we had just entered Uganda. Yeah, and and just like everybody else, we we thought, oh well, this is going to be a month hiccup. 
whatever. Let's try to figure out yeah. what we're going to do. Three months maximum. Yeah. But uh, once we got into Uganda, that's uh, when things started to shut down for real, like in a, in a crazy way that I never thought I would see in, in my lifetime. But uh, mm-hmm. Uganda, there's a, this has to do with those expectations, expectations and preset mindsets that you had that I alluded to earlier. But like I thought being stuck in an African country during the pandemic Usually, in any given country, it's the minorities that are looked down upon first and blamed or not treated well. And so I was really nervous that I was like, wow, if things go south, we might not be in the best situation here. Um, The other problem was that in the very beginning, the tourists were the people who were bringing it in. Yeah, flying. Everyone was very concerned about... Um, being able to keep their country free of it if they just didn't allow people to come in. And we stuck out. And so we, we looked like tourists and we were actually, but um, thankfully we couldn't, again, it was a whole Columbia thing where we just thought the worst and the best thing happened. We thought we'd just shelter in place, if you will. And like even have some of the hotel folk, like get us food if it was needed. But it turned out that, they they, they treated us. us like family like everyone from the hotel to the staff we i mean we stayed in like a little hostel it wasn't even a hotel but yeah um, and we rented a house that was connected to the hotel but there um yeah. were people in the community that really welcomed us and embraced us and uh we had a very good time considering the circumstances it was great it was um amazing. and after 7 months the borders opened again and we were able to move. It was more difficult than before, but it was still possible. So we moved over to Kenya and then we stayed there for six months, pretty much hunkered down in a little town. Mm-hmm. And but you know it was it was wonderful. It sounds kinda lame because here we are talking about our worldly travels and adventure and rara and all this. You know, but it was kinda nice to like play house for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. like we cooked our own meals and we had a bathroom With every the day. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, and there was enough toilet paper that they did not have the same toilet paper problem as stateside. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but uh there's yeah. always good and bad. Exactly. When did you realize that this journey was basically coming to a premature end? We still had our hopes up and we were trying to make like sidewinder plans of maybe we'd go to, you know, Saudi and do like Oman and and Jordan and then back to Egypt to then get into Europe. But just things didn't seem like they were coming together all that well. Ethiopia and the Tigray yeah. region was having some uh, political problems, to say the least. Mm. There was no way for us to go north via road. And mm-hmm. it's not like you can just go west either. If yeah. we wanted to ever get to northern Africa, we would have had to go all the way down practically to South Africa again to go up the western side, which the bureaucracy, I mean, it was just well, becoming any, impossible. Yeah. And it's like that game of, you know, stop and go where you don't know when the world is going to scream stop and then all the borders mm-hmm. are shut down and then they say go and you try to run and get as far as you possibly can to, you know, and then you're, you're locked down again. 
And I think what really hit us is that our visa was expiring again. And we do like to go home every two years. The first two years we spent in the Americas, we flew back when we got married. We saw friends and family. Now it had been two years in Africa. And, you know, the itch to see my cat and my father and, you know, my mom and my friends and family. And the thing is, is that when we were riding through the Americas, like you said, we went all the way down to the bottom of South America, but we never made it all the way north along the Pan American Highway to mm. the top of Alaska. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity uh, to explore North America a bit yeah. more. And this mm -hmm. summer we're planning on doing just that, going to the very top exactly. of, uh, of Alaska. So you wind up coming back to Chicago uh, and we're kind of now caught up to the present. We've talked about some of the really good things that have happened, but I'm going to run through a list of things that I pulled up that, you know, because it's not always an Instagram life whenever you're out there. You're on a bike. The bike itself is one of the coolest bikes I have ever seen in my life, but you just had all these problems with the bike going into Peru. It was encrusted in salt at one time because you were crossing and I never can pronounce this right. What's the name of the salt flats? Solar de Uyuni. Yeah. There you go. I just call them the Bolivian salt flats. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that. All <laughs> kinds of issues in Ushuaia, uh, broken monoshock in the Kalahari Desert. Uh, even back here in the U.S., you had some problems with the bike starting and you were stuck on a bridge. You were struck on a bridge over the Mississippi River. If you're going to be stuck over a river, pick a big one. <laughs> uh, and then Idaho, and that's all important because you were trying to make it to all of the 2021 Overland Expos, all three of them scattered out across the country. And by the way, with the bike problems, have you ever considered four wheels? I'm just teasing. <laughs> But throw in that, you know, weather and winds and heat and cold and pickpockets and bribes. And Marissa, you got hospitalized uh, in Mexico and you had pneumonia in Colombia and Tim got spotted fever in Africa. Yeah. African pickpockets, yes. flesh-eating disease. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is not to scare people from doing this because guess what? If we'd have stayed at home, we'd have had those exact same problems more than likely, or at least different yeah, ones, uh, but still problems. <laughs> but when you're traveling, those kinds of things test your relationships without a doubt, because they put a tremendous amount of stress on you. And I think that you guys are fantastic at explaining how to overcome those stresses. And that's actually where I met you was at Overland Expo uh, this year, 2021. Yay! Now last year, yes. You were leading an Overland Couples Seminar. <laughs> and I want to provide a little background on why Mary Jo and I were there. We had attempted to, uh, to attend a couples counseling session. I'll call it that because how cool is it at Expo that you can learn how to ride, look at really great gear, and they have couples counseling <laughs> at the same place for geared to overlanders. I mean, that is full service at Expo. <laughs> you, you gotta love that. But we had attempted that in uh, 2019, and I showed up alone because Mary Jo was at a raffle where she was hoping to win a front bumper for a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, we don't own a Tacoma. 
so, so the requirement was in 2021, if she was going to go, we were going to couples counseling at uh, Overland Expo and you guys were leading the roundtable discussion and we were so impressed. Thanks. So what I wanted to ask you is give us your best advice on overcoming those travel stresses and remaining a couple through those. Well, I think the first thing that I always try to keep in mind is in the moment of a heated argument of which we have had quite a few, I feel like this could be trip ending. This could be the end of everything. Like it is the end of the world, but in reality it is not the end of the world. And I just have to remind myself that even the best of us have these arguments and it didn't ruin their trips and it's not going to ruin our trip either. Yeah. I mean, and me, my personality is a little bit, uh, runs hotter than Marissa. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, like in the moment it's, it's like she said, it's like, it's the worst thing. It, it's, it's, it's awful. You're really upset. Uh, but all it takes is a little bit of time and a little bit of cool down. It's the get out of Tijuana situation of relationships, you know, like once mm-hmm. you get, you know, out of the stress of it all, then things seem to be a little bit better. But when we get to realize that, like, I don't think I would be able to do this whole trip without my partner. Right? I think in my own headspace all by myself, I would be a lot more difficult um, I'm really, truly yeah. happy that Marissa is with me. I get to share memories and experiences with her, um, and we reflect off of each other very well. Most of that reflection is positive. As you're you're getting to kind of hear negative stuff will come into relationships, but yes. I, but as long as we're not both grumpy, <laughs> as long as one of us is like you know a cheerleader, they can they can usually drag the other spirit up and I'll let you just guess who the cheerleader usually is. But, uh, (laughs) no, I have my moments too. And, uh, I do try to keep perspective that everything is going to be all right. And the more we travel together, the more I'm able to keep that perspective because I have all those experiences to look back on of this Mm. went wrong, that went wrong and something else also went wrong and it seemed horrible, but we got through it. And we'll get through this one, too. Yeah. And I wish that I could trigger my mind into the last time something was resolved instead of this is the newest, most awful thing that's ever happened to me. Because like she said, we've always gotten through each problem that we've encountered. Um, some of them were our own self-doing. Like you said, uh, the Bolivian salt flats, like, you know, that was something irresponsible that we've done. There were other things that were out of our control. But as a team and with help of others and good friends that we've made along the way, it just creates this this sense of of a team. It's like yeah. we won the Super Bowl together, you know. We yeah. got our, you know, we got our rings quite literally married each other. <laughs> you know, and that's just just an achievement all in itself. And so I really do hope that anybody out there that does go on a little trip with their loved one and they get into a, a, an argument like that's totally understandable. And it's, it's not just you, it's 
yes. something that you have to work through. And you two basically are, you alluded to it earlier, in physical contact uh, pretty much all the time whenever you're riding the bike. Now, do you have an intercom between the helmets? Yeah. Yes. Um, I remember Marissa making this gesture of slapping the side of her helmet, turning her intercom off and going back into her private space. Explain that for just a minute if you can. That's right. Um, we can hang up on each other yes. if we want to. And like the over dramatic way that you could do with like rotary phones, not like, you know, like just slamming the power button on your smartphone now. But we can beep each other out. And some in the very beginning, we used to beep back in and be like, hey, don't hang up on me. But now yeah. we've realized that, um, that that's not usually very productive. If one person is angry to the point where they hang up on the other person, mm -hmm. uh, we just let that go, yeah. give it a while, and usually time will help resolve everything. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that that's become mine and Mary Jo's personal signal for, okay, because unfortunately, we're stuck in the cab of a truck. We're not in our own private little helmet space. And so if we slap ourselves upside the head, I mean, it would be me hitting my own head, not hers. But uh, it's, it's the sign for, okay, that's enough. That is awesome. I'm just going to quieten down for a minute. And amazingly, a couple of minutes later, everything's all good. So, uh, yeah. so that's great. That is awesome uh, <laughs> yeah, so we have definitely used uh, the advice that we got from from you guys uh, to its fullest in our travels. <laughs> How would you say that your travel adventures have changed you as individuals and then as a couple? Well, I used to travel before, but on my own, right? Hmm. And it was very different. And I feel like at that point in time in my life, it was very beneficial for me. But now that I've been traveling with Tim, I have come to know myself so much better and to know that this is, I, I can feel that this is the right path for me. I know every day that we're on the road that this is another glorious day where I'm living out my dreams. And it's, it's made me have a certain serenity and calm to my life, I don't stress out about things that I used to when I was working all the time, full time. You know, there's so many daily things to worry about. But when you're on the road, you are just at the whims of the world yeah. and you relinquish your control over your life a lot. But when I have Tim there beside me, I know that it's going to be okay. And I absolutely love traveling with him and I, I don't have to worry or stress about anything no we still stress we still <laughs> stress it's not it's not all sunshine but you know like I would like to think I've gotten a little bit more patient and uh you know a little bit more worldly and a, a better understanding of the unknown you know like going into any situation it's always best to go in with a a brand new clean slate for that particular region of the world to, you know, give an impression on me mm. because, you know, I, we've all seen news and read articles and seen movies that kind of have this pre-mapped out thought process. I and mean, I've learned to really appreciate the fact that 
like there's people that other people think are jerks like tom's a jerk don't hang out with tom and then you hang out with tom and tom's a cool dude that's (laughs) you know country x you know like everybody's perspective is is different and uh yeah i think you've nailed it because um my perception of you has changed in that i feel like we are this super strong team now and nothing could ever break that but my perception of everyone else has also changed the whole world i feel like i understand humanity in a way that i didn't before in that they are 99.9% wonderful wonderful people and that we can just show up anywhere and i can feel very confident that i will find someone great there who will help us out befriend us and yeah. possibly will become a lifelong friend there's so. wonderful people all over the world well said tim you've written three books can you tell us real quickly about your books and how we can find them because I i'd highly recommend them oh you're too kind Thank you. well the first one is called maiden voyage and then i put at the end the prequel to adventure of a, of a lifetime and that kind of covers our beginning stages where we went around the Rocky Mountains and what inspired us to, to travel the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And then the next book is the, 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 big the launch of our big trip. And that one was called Too Up and Overloaded, Chicago to Panama. And then the third book covers quite possibly my favorite continent so far, even though there's a lot of different places that I haven't been. But that book is called Blood, Sweat, and No Tears, because I'm awful with puns. And <laughs> That covers from uh, Colombia to Ushuaia. And we met a lot of really good people along the way there, made some lifelong friends, of course, more lifelong memories. And they are all available on Amazon, as well as Barnes and Noble and Kindle and Nook and all those weird things. I just got done uploading on the Barnes and Noble, some colored editions. So very exciting stuff. Is there another book in the future? Oh, there is. Yes. Africa. Yes. yes. We don't know what we're going to call it yet. For our listeners, where can they uh, follow you to catch up on your older adventures and uh, follow the next one? So we we call ourselves No Tears Frontiers. That's N-O-T-I-E-R-S Frontiers because it rhymes. And again, mm-hmm. it's the whole bad fun thing. that It's his last on. name. It's yes. my last name. <laughs> But uh, we, we've kind of tried to hammer that on our website, which is notearsfrontiers.com. On Facebook and Instagram, it's also No Tears Frontiers. And, and YouTube. And YouTube as well. Marissa works very hard on our YouTube channel, and mm-hmm. she's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I know. That's my candy. I love watching uh, <laughs> your adventures on there. Marissa, Tim, you're an amazing couple, and I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us today and sharing your adventures and your love story. You are too kind. Thank Thank you you. so much. It's been our pleasure. Be sure to check out all of Tim and Marissa's adventures. We have links to all their channels in the show notes. And don't forget about that awesome discount for Guy GPS for your adventures. Just go to www.guidegps.com slash podcast. You know, that would even make a great gift for someone you care about. This is Wade. See you next time. <laughs>